Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a super, super special episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. If you have kids, I'm sure that you are as grateful as I am for Melissa Bernstein, because she is the creative genius behind the over 5,000 toys that the company she co-founded with her husband created since 1988. Theirs is one of the most beloved toy brands in the market, mostly because of its focus on creating authentic, innovative, and high-quality toys that promote open-ended creative free play. A few weeks back, I was fortunate enough to be in a virtual session with Melissa as she was one of the CEOs highlighted in Sounds True in her MBA program. And I'm currently following for nine months, but I'll tell you more about it in a different episode. As an entrepreneur myself, I was, of course, blown away by the making of her toy empire story. But what really shook me to my core was to learn about her new venture, Lifelines, which is a wellness company that aims to be an online community for people grappling with self-acceptance or trying to find meaning in life, all inspired by her own struggle with existential depression, a struggle she vulnerably shares in her new book titled Lifelines, an inspirational journey from profound darkness to radiant light. At the end of that Sounds True session, she shared her email and invited people to reach out. And by now you know me, I hide to try to get her to back to basics. And to my astonishment, she replied to my message with an enthusiastic yes less than an hour later. Walking the talk with generosity, that's Melissa Bernstein. And I'm so excited and humbled to have her here in Back to Basics. Hello and welcome, Melissa. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Well, you know, it's, uh, as I said, anybody that has a kid, and I'm sure you get overwhelmed with, thank you so much, your toys are the best, and they really are. And uh, just by looking at your background, I get a little bit of the chills because some of those toys have walked my own journey as a mom. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. But, you know, in, in your story, it's, it's, if anybody researches you, there is so much about Melissa and Doc that's out there. And I definitely want to touch upon that. But Lifelines is really what I'm the most excited about. And that's what I really want to touch upon. And it's not because you, I'm interviewing, but I have your golden book here with me. And it has been an incredible experience to read it. So, But because I have a format, I definitely wanted to start at the beginning and learning a bit about Melissa and, and your young years And what were your lifelines as a young child, even if you didn't know about it? What were you passionate about as a child? That's an awesome question. I created ever since I could breathe. I would have to say that creating tangible form from chaos has been my lifeline since age two. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, do you, is it the word? I know you wrote verses very young and uh, music. And what else? Uh, You love the outdoors, I guess? Yeah, I think any, literally any form of creativity. It started with notes. I saw these musical notes in my head and they formed these songs, although they were really all in minor keys and really despairing. (laughs) 
Then I saw words and they formed these rhyming verses. And then it became any form of crafting. Like I am still so obsessed with new ways of combining materials together to create something that's never been seen. For me, it's all about, and if you look at the definition of creativity, I love it because it basically says taking the same set of ingredients that have been used in one way and combining them in this revolutionary way that the output is something completely innovative and different. And that is my, I'd say, the the spark that gets me up each morning to think, how can I combine what everyone has used in the exact same way into something no one has ever seen? And I love that. And that is a powerful reflection because, you know, I speak with so many people and they have great ideas and they say, but it's been done. And they find the part of the idea that has already been done and they focus on that to destroy, to sabotage themselves about why not pursuing that idea. I, w- I want to hear. I know. I know. <laughs> tell me. Tell me what you're thinking. So the difference between an entrepreneur and, and just someone who kind of, you know, has ideas the entrepreneur has the curiosity to ask the question, why? And the question, why, is usually, why has it been done this way for so long? And why has no one else thought of a different way of doing it? And I think my, my favorite quote is by this Nobel Prize winning physicist who said, discovery is seeing what everyone has seen, but thinking what no one has thought. And that really defines my life, being able to look at things as they are. And that's what open-ended play is all about. It's about seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary. So when you, when you go by something a thousand times that people keep passing and you have the curiosity to say, huh, I never saw it that way before. Why is it the way it is? And then entrepreneurship is asking that question, seeing it in your imagination as how it should be in your mind and traveling that path from how it is right now to how it should be. And if you have the courage to make that, that travel, because think about it, if it's never been done, what are people going to tell you? They're going to say, it can't be done. There's no way you can do that. You're going to fail, which is by the way, if people don't say that to Doug and me, then we know we're not onto something. I love that. If it's been done, People are going to be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And, and just yesterday, we were talking with someone about something we're doing for Lifelines, and they were having a really hard time with it. And our team was getting very uncomfortable with the fact that these folks we were talking to didn't get it. And I was like, afterward, I'm like, don't you understand? If this was something everyone had done, the people would have been like, yeah, of course. The reason they didn't get it is because it's a brand new paradigm. Like, of course. Let's embrace that and let's be excited that people don't get it. Don't, don't let that make you think your idea can't hold water. Well, I think that's a very, very powerful message because I know in my audience, there's so many people that write to me that have ideas because I'm an entrepreneur myself. And I, I love, I always say, I love to make the impossible possible. And of course, compared to what you made, that doesn't sound big, but like to show people that magic is possible. And the best example I give is I met my husband online 
14 years ago when nobody was meeting their husbands online, you know, but I was just open to the possibility. I never went into it thinking I'm going to meet my husband. Now I joke that I have two kids with a guy I met online because <laughs> so, it sounds funny. But, but, you know, just being open to the possibility of the impossible becoming possible, it's freeing, you know, it gives you so much energy to really explore. And I love that about your story. And that's, that's an imaginational hypersensitivity. It's being able to imagine the impossible and literally believe that whatever you can see in your mind is possible with vision and hard work. Yeah, and, and, and it's exciting because when I started this little podcast three years ago, people were laughing. People were saying that, uh, why do you want to change careers? I've been in telecom all my life and I'm not changing careers. Why am I doing the podcast? I'm not making money out of the podcast, but people need to label it somehow. And, uh, you know, and they weren't, you know, I, initially I struggled with having friends on it. Like, who can I interview? And I started doing my solo episodes because I didn't have anybody to interview. And then bit by bit, you know, just by believing. And I've been lucky and fortunate to have Seth Godin and Tammy Simon. But my main goal, and now you, but my main goal is to show that we all have a good story. Celebrity, non-celebrity, uh, the normal person, the successful person, we all struggle and have a good story to tell that can inspire the guy ne- or the girl next door. And that's the whole purpose. Exactly. And I think my whole purpose now is to show folks that it's all about living in your heart and finding that thing that makes your heart sing and and kindling it to touch others. And When you think about doing a podcast and you start to think about the results, you go back to your head, right? Is it going to be successful? Are people going to watch it? Who am I going to to interview? You leave your heart and you go into your head. And that's that's the noun. That's the destination. And that is never our beautiful work. When you just say, you know what? I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to create out of my heart. I'm going to do what feels right and not think about the result, that's when you create magic. That's when there's boundless possibility. There's always boundless possibility in in that spot, just not in that rigid part of your mind that wants to define it, that wants to get to the goal and is all about achievement and results and success. I I definitely, definitely agree with that. And if you allow me, I'm going to share, I was going to do it at the end, but just with what you said, I'm going to share what's my favorite verse on your book. And it relates to that because you wrote, it's the learning, not the great, it's the crafting, not what's made. It's crusading, not the war, it's competing, not the score. It's the acting, not the part. It's the painting, not the art. It's the journey, not the goal, for the process fuels the soul. That to me, I don't know how many times I underlined it. I have asterisks because if we can all read that every morning, we would approach our day so much differently and, and, and just knowing that it's the yeah. process, not the destination, right? That honestly, my whole spiritual journey has been this 14 inches between my head and my heart trying to get out of here you know, that tells me all the lies, that tells me all the horrible poisons about myself and that judges to just be able to live here. And and my life mantra is step on out of the head and move into the heart, free to channel all dread into jubilant art. And that is uh, like my act each day is don't allow the mistruths and the ego and all those 
those complexities up here to stop me from truly expressing my creative liberation through here. And that's why I admire what you're doing, because I think you're such a powerful example. And I think definitely, I mean, for what I've seen, Lifelines, it's 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 going to be successful just because with one person you help, you're already achieving a lot. And I know you're going to help so many because let's talk about, I mean, I obviously don't want to forget the fact that you created a company from zero and there was going to be challenges and, and, uh, you know, the, the fact that you did it with your then boyfriend, you weren't even married and you made a decision and you said something about in your book that when you read it and you know that they, you, you were writing from different places in your life and different things because some are darker than others. But you wrote something about you never second guess your intuition. Never. Even and I assume that even in the darkest time, somehow that light of your intuition was there. And I'm curious about you know, that process and even going into business with your boyfriend. And then, of course, thank God, you know, having it pan out in the best way. How do you stay connected to that intuition even in those dark days? Oh, that's a really great question. And I have to be honest, I always had a very strong intuition, but I didn't trust it for so many years. I always looked externally for validation even though, and it's funny, it's, that's very strange because I was just writing a verse before we started this about my heart always knows the truth, but my head really believes the lies. That was literally the first two. That is powerful. That was the first two lines. So it's still a lifelong journey to close my eyes and say, Melissa, don't get caught up in the, the drama of the fear that you don't know. Just breathe and let your intuition speak. And I think, you know, when we're young and when we don't believe we have the answers inside us, we look to everywhere and everyone else to provide those answers. And I was definitely one of those. I thought I was worthless. I didn't think I had anything to offer or to share. But the the verses I wrote, ironically, were the truth that I knew somewhere I just had to grow into believing them. And I think I wrote these verses because I had so many deep questions and I I despised myself so much. Every atom of my being, I I didn't want to be who I was. And the verses really ponder all the questions I, I always ask myself. And when I read them, and I never read them, I put them away literally and never took them out for 30 years. And there were like three or 4,000 of them. And when I finally read them, I was like, oh my gosh, all these answers I've been looking for out there were in these verses. Like I knew them at age, you know, as a little child, yet I didn't want to believe my intuition. So my journey was about leaving the external validation and, and clinging to others' approval of me and finally making that journey inward to understand, you know, that I am a very hypersensitive person. I vacillate from deep highs to deep lows, accepting my full spectrum of emotion and believing that, Melissa, you actually have all, and all of us, by the way, it's not just Melissa. I had to, but we always have to believe ourselves and understand and love ourselves before we can understand that it's actually the human condition. So I had to believe, Melissa, you you got it all in there. The answers are here and really trust that. And then, oh my gosh everything started to connect 
and, and my creativity became like truly an unblocked channel. I think of it like very spiritually as sort of like this, this hollow channel now, you know, when I was younger, it was just all obstructed and my creativity had it like eke its way through one little vein in my arm to get out. But now it's, it's pretty much unobstructed, which is like the most, it's, it's all light. It's a really beautiful feeling. Well, that's great. And, the, and you're shining it upon others. And I think that's incredible. And the fact that what you were saying, you were pursuing outward, uh, you know, out, outside. And of course, you pursue it so well that, and I heard you say this, but of course, it doesn't take rocket science to know it is uh, you're the definition of the American dream. So as a foreigner that came here 25 years ago, you know, I think if the United States has something, it's the only country that can really sell you on the idea of the American dream. I don't think there's many other countries that can do that. And of course, if you see your story and what you and your husband achieved, it's like, is that definition? So I, I take it that maybe your mind didn't let you stop until you achieve it. And you say, now where am I going to go? I mean, where else? You are a mom of six amazing kids. You have, uh, you know, a solid marriage, I'm sure with ups and downs, but you and you made your husband, the bus your business partner. So you have, you know, the dream of many, which is to have a family business or to create, your, you did that, have incredible successful toy business that brings happiness to others, you know, that has a greater good component to it. And so it's like, I imagine that you say now, now what? You had no, probably no other way to look that inside. So I'm curious if you can talk about that, that. Were you ever set to say, I want the American dream and like you put that as your goal or the journey just take you, you know, organically there? Wow. That's an amazing question. It's kind of a combination of both. So, you know, the, the good news is because I create from here and I can't create from here, like the creativity was always organic and came from the heart. And I believe in open-ended play and creating tools to be the catalyst for kids' imaginations. Like that's what I believe in more than anything. And, and, and Doug and I, like we, we came together with that mission and never did anything for the end result. So I would say it was always at its purity. And in fact, we're, we're not material people. Like we always joked, we would live in some little you know, cabin in the woods. And we really didn't have many material needs. And I think that was the reason that we achieved such success because we did it truly from the heart. And, you know, I would always like, if we created something and I saw it and I was like, there's not enough paper here, we need to add, you know, 10 more sheets of paper. And of course the financial people would say, but that's going to lower our margin. I would say, so who cares? Like we're creating an amazing product. It doesn't matter what the margin is. So that was the way we always built our business. But as we started, you know, success begets success. So like, as you start to become more and more successful, it does become a drug and it does become addictive. And you start buying some material things and you're like, ooh, this is kind of fun. And it becomes this, again, this external sort of measure of success. And I think it's not until you have everything and more you ever wanted that you realize that that isn't what fills your inner void. And I think I'm not going to say it doesn't bring your life some joy. I mean, you know, going to nice places and having nice things is, is wonderful. But 
I can tell you, you know, that's another sort of lesson I feel like I'm here to share is I reached it. I had every single thing I could ever want. Literally, there was nothing missing in my life. But because I had never accepted who I was and gone on that inner journey to truly understand who is Melissa and and to be accepted as who I truly was, I was utterly bereft in the face of having every single thing I ever wanted. So it's hard. You know, I had a lot of folks say, like, who are you to be depressed? You have everything. And I said, depression doesn't choose. You know, my, my crisis of meaning started from the moment I took my first breath and, you know, getting, getting material rewards didn't bring my life meaning. It, it had to be something much deeper within. And I think that's so uh, important to realize. And that's why I think that particular message is so important because, of course, you know, I know many uh, people that are on their business and so driven by money and by what I want to achieve. And if I share something, if I haven't had the success I probably can aim because I aim at because I love my life as it is. And I work for the family business, a company my dad founded 50 years ago. So that's a huge legacy that I have on my shoulder. And probably that's one of the, you know, I'm sure your kids, if they get into lifelines on some of your other business, that's something I'm curious about because, you know, it's hard when you are inheriting such a great legacy to feel that you're contributing in a way that's meaningful. But at the same time, you know, I've had a flexibility. I can be the mom I want to be. I pick up my kids at school. I can be present. And sometimes I fear that if I get the success that maybe my potential can achieve, I would have to make sacrifices that I wouldn't like. And so it's almost like, hmm, I think I'll stay here for a moment and live my life as it is. And it's, it's great as it is. What am I going to get? More money or more things? Where is it really going to take you at the end of the day? Yes. And that's, that's, that's your ego. Your ego saying it's not enough. It's that relentless need for more. And I think you, you just have to keep coming back to like listening to, to your, your soul. And is it saying like, is this enough? And your soul is going to be saying, yes, it is enough. Don't, don't listen to that voice that in your head that's saying it's never enough because that was my, you know, I have a, a chapter in my book called The Feudal Race. And that yes. was this need to make meaning for me. You know, my, my depression wasn't the normal depression. Like I wasn't bedridden, not wanting to do anything. It was the opposite. I couldn't ever stop because I had such a need to externally make meaning and leave a legacy and create from this despair that I couldn't stop. Like I would literally create so rapidly that, I would exhaust myself. Like I couldn't even walk or talk or, or, you know, even breathe because I, I just didn't sleep for like weeks at a time. Yeah. You were, you were so productive in your depression that in a way for any organizations, you were a dream come true. Exactly. I, I joke, (laughs) like if you want the, the most creative kind of prolifically creative people get existentially depressed people, they will like be the 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 spark the creative spark of your company absolutely but it, it comes to a cost and it came to a cost to you but at the same time it allow you to for these next chapters so talking about lifeline and i heard you say two things that are you know uh, opposite it's like my soul was crying for me to come out 
And then now you're doing something that makes your soul sing. And that's so powerful. And I definitely want everybody to kind of think about that, like what makes your soul sing or your or when your soul cries. And I call it what makes you tick in the show. But, you know, it's it sounds something that it's like, okay, yeah, make your soul sing. It's like, how do I do that? How do I do that? And, you know, what you ha- are creating on Lifelines, and I've spent my share amount of time on your webpage, and it, all the information is going to be on the show notes. And everybody, I invite everybody to go check it out because all this amazing content is for free. I understand that you and Doug are creating this. So another amazing thing that Melissa and Doug, the company, enabled you to do is the next chapter of your life where you can really augment your message in such a powerful way. And and there you created a journey. You created a full journey, which is brilliant, by the way. And I have my backpack (laughs) already ready to go. And they created, guys, a journey where you can take a hike, literally, in, in in the platform and really go inwards. So I wanna, I know that the whole platform, it's geared towards helping people to make the journey inwards. And I would love for you to explain about that and what's your vision with that. Oh, of course. And we've even come come quite a way, quite a way from there. So, you know, the lifelines really mirrors my own, my own journey because I reached this point when I had, as we talked about, sort of every material form of success I could. I was creating these light, bright toys. I had transformed the darkness into light and it felt so great. But underneath it all, there was still a person who had never really admitted who she was. And the fact that those toys were birthed out of a whole lot of despair and a lot of fear about mortality. I mean, I had feared sort of the things I couldn't control since my first breath. So I knew, you know, kind of two things that one, I would never really be fulfilled until I took that journey inward because I had been terrified to really feel anything. And I had disassociated from all feeling because I had such dark feelings. I was terrified of really examining them. And then once I came out as myself, truly forging authentic relationships as I truly was, because I really didn't have any authentic relationships because I was just a shell of a person. I wasn't really ever showing anyone who I was and what I struggled with. So I finally admitted at middle age that I needed help. I never, part of my issue is that I am a perfectionist and perfectionism means you never show any chinks in your armor. And admitting I needed help was one of, it was kind of for me, like surrendering. It was like, I can't do this alone. I can't make this journey alone. I need help. And I enlisted the help of a trained professional who's become one of my dearest friends. And she's actually come on our Lifelines community and done workshops with me talking about my journey. She helped me write the journey. And for five years now, maybe even six, we've worked together on this journey. And for the first time ever, kind of going inward, really touching the, so my spectrum goes from the most profound highs where I am literally floating in this ethereal light to such profound depths of despair that I almost didn't come back when I went there. So mm-hmm. I can go very high and very low. And it's kind of cool. Now I now I, I accept it all and I kind of revel in all of it and harness all of it. But back then, 
there wasn't any chance I was going to that bottom spectrum. So uh, we did that in this long journey. And that became ultimately the journey, the exact same journey I took became this journey on lifelines. And there was a word when I was young, I always used to cry to myself in my pillow. I just need space. Hmm. And that word became sort of the, the most significant word for my life because what I was saying was I needed space between my head and my heart. My heart just was creative liberation. My heart just wanted to be free, but my head was this prison of despair and this demon that wanted to end my life. And I couldn't seem to gain perspective because they were entwined together. So sorry, this is really long. No, no, no. It's a very word space became the five letters of my journey, which are to stop, perceive, allow, comprehend, and embrace. And the whole thing is almost, if I, I don't even allow myself to think about it because it's too like karmic that this word that was the one thing I wanted more than anything became really the acronym for this journey. It's, uh, yeah, I saw that, all that and it's, uh, you know, it, it, and, and I'm someone that has been on my own spiritual growth path for a while, but even then you, all the concepts you're sharing there, they really create a path, a very tangible path. And, uh, and I couldn't avoid but to think, I know that somewhere in the book you say, you, you, you know, your love for nature and uh, exploring and, and Girl Scout. And then I say, hmm, and there's a backpack. I could see all the times that if, if you've read the book, like all the things that those little passions that you're translated into lifelines. And but I think a lot of people need just that, like a practical way, a journey, a path. Something is almost like a game, but, a, you know, to go inwards and to just explore yourself and explore the fears. And, and once you can be with that fear and, and learn that you're fine, it's okay, you know, then it's, it's truly liberating. It, it is. And now space. So now that I came out sort of out of the darkness, more into the light, I realized there was something else missing. Even though I accepted myself and I was here, what was I supposed to do when I vacillated? Because I have two um, fears. One is that when I go into that beautiful, boundless, expansive imagination, I can float off and never come back because it's so beautiful. I, 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 it's in the right side of my brain, my imagination, and it's so light and bright and just, oh, and it's like beckoning me that... <laughs> I never want to come down. And that's really dangerous because I can be up there for like weeks and not be in my life here and now. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is the bowels of despair when I'm so low that I could be lost in the abyss of darkness and not come back. So when I realized that like, just because I accepted myself, I wasn't going to be like, quote unquote, fine every day. What was I going to do to make sure that I could be here in the present here and now, living my life and kind of being my, my best every day. And after that, I've now developed a practice, which I call practice makes purpose. And that is sort of the, the culmination of lifelines is to now have this practice that I literally have to engage in each and every day to be here. And the space journey 
the, the acronym SPACE has now been worked into one of the aspects of the practice because every time I move from here to here, every time I get stuck in my, not the, not the beautiful part of my head, the imagination, but the rigid, judging, ego, um, achievement-oriented, perfectionistic part of my brain, that's, that's not a place I ever want to be. It, that takes me down. So I go through the space journey. Every time I get stuck up here, I stop. I perceive what's going on. I allow what I'm feeling. I understand why it's happening, which is usually that inner child that's still a little bit um, unloved, feeling unloved. And then I embrace myself. And I, so I take the space journey as part of my practice, probably 20 times each day. Wow. And that, yeah, I, I can relate. I've been doing mindfulness practice and I can see, obviously, it's all intertwined. And I see when I, when I see your story, the potential to bring this to kids as well. You know, I've been having my kids do mindfulness meditation through COVID because, you know, we're not teaching our kids, you know, how to deal with that, with that, you know, I, my son had a meltdown the other day and I'm like, breathe, breathe. And, you know, and trying to take him to the notions. And uh, I mean, what a great ambassador, someone that has built toys the entire lives. You know, if we found a way also not only to deal with the adults that are having our struggles, but also to to tool our kids with the right, uh, you know, set of uh, tools in their little backpack to deal with emotional health and well-being. Because it's it's almost I feel it's getting too late by the time we get to adult, we had an, a unique opportunity to to do something. And then when it's done, it's so much more work when we have to do it as adults, right? You, you said it so beautifully. You know, these are tools that need to be forged in childhood. I think preschool on, and, and it's emotional resilience, right? It's being able to withstand life's ups and downs and realize that is part of being human. See, I never realized that the downs were part of being human. Someone never told me like, it's okay to be sad. In fact, it was only a few months ago that for the very first time in my life, I said, I am sad today. Mm. For me, any emotion that wasn't, yeah, everything's great. I'm fine. What do you mean? No, I'm fine. Even when I was sick, I denied it at all costs. I could have a hundred, three, four fever. I would be at work. I would be doing my thing. Like I denied anything human because I believed it was weakness. So I think there are a lot of women, especially who are plagued with that, who feel like they can't show anything other than this perfect, shiny image. And if we started learning early on that, no, that's not human at all. That's a robot. Yeah. Human is every single emotion and it's feeling happy, sad, worried, scared, you know, life would be so different. And then when we were, we, we were hit by those curveballs, we'd be much better bolstered to handle them. I totally agree with you. And, uh, and I'm so excited of what you're building because I know this is, brings so much hope and opportunity and potential. And, uh, and you know, one of the things that uh, caught my attention, I don't know, are, are you a believer of vision boards at all? Do you practice no. vision? You know, I was thinking, I, I, me too, and I have my vision board. And then I was thinking the other day that your brand, it's almost like the perfect 
brand because you put you and your husband at the center of it, Melissa and Doug. And I was thinking, because I'm sure when, when your company started, did, did the people challenge the name at all, like a toy company with the two of you and the name? Well, it was only us. <laughs> it was just you. But, you know, it's like, because now you see how the two of you have endured your journey and have gone. And it's just one of, I think, one of the main things people believe is that you cannot have a successful marriage and a happy family or a balanced family if you have that success. And the fact that you put the two of you at the center of your brand, to me, is inspirational because it's almost like it may, obviously you pro didn't do it because of that, but then you think, wow, but then now they're walking through life and now you're doing a new venture together. And that is, uh, you know, a very, very impressive, to be honest, coming from someone that works in the family business. Yeah. And, and we're both really, really strong people, too. You know, usually you kind of would have someone who's more, maybe a little less strong and the other one's stronger with us. We're both super opinionated and dogmatic. And, you know, it's not to say it doesn't have, we don't have times when we disagree, but it's, it's been so beautiful to work with Doug. I would say that, and, and our kids can't stand it because all we do is talk about work because we love it so much. And there's had, there's been a ban at the dinner table that we can't say anything about work. And now one of our daughters, actually for a while, two of our daughters worked in lifelines. So that upset the other kids so much. They're like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Stop talking about things you don't <laughs> understand. So I think yeah. we get so enmeshed in what we do. It becomes, you know, we, we, Melissa and Doug was our first child. We started, right. as you said, Melissa and Doug, when we were just dating. So for us, it was just as meaningful as any child. And I think lifelines as well. You know, it's, it's living and breathing now. And, um, and it's, it's really important to us. So we love working together because it's so fascinating what we're doing and what we're going through and all the issues that we love to talk about it. Like it's our, it's our, our hobby and our vocation. <laughs> Well, that passion, I think that passion, it's a key ingredient for success in everything one does. And I think this is a very timely moment to me when I, like when I reach out, knowing who you were from the toy and, and your experience, I almost felt, and now having read your book, I say that was a big achievement and you brought a lot of life to kids, but maybe you're calling all that, all those things you wrote that never show anybody that now leave in a book that's helping others is the perfect example. Like, you know, people say, I don't see how I'm making progress. And I say, I, I tell, I don't know, it's not my quote, but I read it somewhere like with a tree that the roots go underneath and you don't see it, but they're growing and you don't see something outside. And you say, it's not growing, nothing's happening, but the, all those roots down there were happening. Oh. And I feel that this, this book, it's all your roots that we're well, growing in a way that now, you know, the goodness right. that it's going to bring. I really feel that way. Well, just so everyone knows who's listening, I feel that way all the time. In fact, one of the verses, and here's another thing, just this morning, I was telling myself this verse because I sometimes feel the same way. Like I'm, I'm doing this and it's never going to touch anyone. That's the ego. And I, I repeat this verse. Keep on cultivating seeds, give them water, pull the weeds, then repeat it all again, for we can't be certain when they'll take root and swiftly grow. Touching lives will never know. 
Wow, that gives me chills. That's that's my vision. Every time I feel down, I say the 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 roots are there. They're doing something. They're growing. The fact that you don't see them don't don't mean that they are not there. And that's something for anybody out there listening. Think about that. Think about the fact that sometimes progress is not doesn't come in money in the bank. Or it comes on the goodness you're putting in the world, how you're touching other people's life. I think that it also comes from something that very few think about. It comes from intent, deliberate, and long-term focus. You know, I think we we are so impatient, so many of us, for this elusive success. That when we do something and we don't see immediate, you know, growth, we say it's not working and we quit, you know, we move on to something else. You know, Doug and I, I mean, it took us a long, long time to find success. I mean, what we started in it, Melissa and Doug, didn't, wasn't, didn't work at all. If we, if we kept doing what we initially started doing, we would have been out of business. We pivoted and that pivot was what saved us. And then um, we pivoted a million times. We kept the core tenets that were true, but every time something didn't work, you know, and we had the courage to look at it honestly and say, why didn't this work? We learned something that allowed us to grow and pivot and find sort of a, a slightly alternate path. And it was because that we didn't give up, you know, many, many times we wanted to give up or we thought we should give up. And something in us was like, just keep following your dream, keep following the vision, you know, keep believing in open-ended toys, even though everyone told us technology will destroy you and screens will replace anything you do. We just kept creating one toy at a time and only thinking, how can we make this toy the one that will unleash that, that child's imagination in ways he or she never knew? And I think just focusing on doing good work. And I think the more you can truly believe in something and have the patience to allow it to unfold, because these things don't happen immediately, then, you know, then you have a chance to truly grow those roots, spread your, your, your crops and, and really touch people. Wow. That's a, that's a very good message for anybody out there. Even for me in the days that I feel like things are not happening, that you just you know, you fall and you wake up and you stand up as many times as necessary to to keep pursuing your dream. My favorite quote, it, it made me think of it, is that by Paulo Coelho saying, when, you're, when your heart truly desires something, the whole universe conspires so that you achieve it. And, uh, you know, that's something that I always say, stay loyal to your heart. Don't betray your heart and, and pay attention to what he's trying to say. And, yeah. and that's, uh, that's... And go back to the verb. You know, life is about the process, not the goal. It's about acting, creating. It's the INGs. It's never about the the noun, right? So if you close your eyes and you go back to why you're doing it, and every day, if you have doubts, you should write your mission statement really clearly. Why am I doing this? And look at it every day and go back to that place where the true verb, the true creativity is coming from. And that is your intuition. And if you, if you don't have it, that's when you pivot, right? If you're like, I don't, I lost that. I don't know what it is. Then, then your work isn't going to touch people because it's not coming from this heartfelt place. 
So, but if you can, if you can go to that place, whenever you start to, and that's, that's the practice. The practice is every time we get out of that place, because even I, I'm a, I'm a creative, but there are times when I have a designer. In fact, I have a, I'm so excited after this, I have a designer showing me a whole bunch of product. You know, sometimes I look at 25 designs and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea which one's the best. And I start to go in my head, like, I'm supposed to know you're Melissa. Like you have to know this. I go, I go back in the journey. I stop. I perceive I'm not good enough. Right. I'm, I'm feeling that sense of being inadequate. I allow that feeling of inadequacy. Then I understand why is it happening? And then finally I embrace myself for just being human. Wow. That's uh that's incredible. So I know Melissa, you're very busy. I want to finish with a question. You know, when you were five years old, you wrote a verse that, and you've shared this with many people and I'm going to read it. The burden of myself has grown impossible to bear, although rather than sleep further down this mountain of despair, I will simply cry for help and hope an angel hears my plea, or I'll not survive much longer and succumb to misery. And you wrote that when you were five. If you bump into that little girl or a little girl that felt that way, knowing what you know, and for many years you didn't know what you know right now, but now you have a new take on life, a new understanding, a new awareness. What would you be, what would your advice be in, for her to take on the journey she faces? Mm. So by the way, my biggest joy is speaking to children who have despair. And I try to do it as much as I can, or I write them if their parents aren't ready for them to speak to me. Because if I can offer that little child hope, like my, my life is, is complete. So. I think I would first ask them exactly what they're feeling because, you know, what happens all the time is when we see someone so dark and so young, we, we want to make it go away. We want to say, what, what's wrong? What you should be playing, which is what the few times I, I showed folks how I was feeling, they didn't want to um, accept it. So I always, because I've been to that place so many times, that deep, dark place, I always just ask them, tell me exactly what you're experiencing. And I really hear it. And then, you know, my hope is I can help that person unearth that beautiful spark in themselves that can transform their darkness into light. I do believe we all have an innate spark that just wants to be kindled but many of us have no idea what it is because we've never taken the time. Again, it takes time and it takes patience to listen and really figure out what it is. So I always try, if I'm talking to the parent of that child, I try to figure out what their passions are. What are those things that when they're doing them, they are out of their head. They're not thinking about their despair. They're in their hearts. And there's always something. I, I, whenever I talk to parents, sometimes they'll say, well, yeah, when they're playing with their pet, well, then have the child volunteer at a humane society. Like, try to bring those moments of light into their life and show them that life isn't only darkness. Because when you're in that that place, which I was, that nihilism, you believe there's no light and there never will be any light, and you're a victim of it. It's it's a very disempowering place. So I just try to do little things to help them become empowered. So they begin to see that actually they can take responsibility for making meaning in their life and they can transform their darkness into light. 
Wow, that's uh, beautiful. And I really thank you for all the shine, bright light that you're putting in the world. And and uh, I know that uh, our kids will be as touched with your work in Lifelines as they are with the toys you created. So thank you so much, Melissa, for being part of Back to Basics. Oh, it's my pleasure. This was such an amazing conversation. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, everybody. And uh, please check out Lifelines. So you're going to be blown away. Until the next time, everybody. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.